glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. gentlemen welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast who is now part of the full-time fantasy podcast network you can find them at full-time fantasy on twitter ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention i've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story and i need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen we are super excited to have joined them. Dennis is already here. We're not even bringing him in. He, he's jumping into the intro with me here as we're about to talk about that. Of course, I am your host, Matt Bruni. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB. And we want to give a huge shout-out and thank you to Jim Day. You can find him at Fantasy Taz for bringing us on board with the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. Dennis, how are you doing? And we're how excited are you to announce this news? You know, I am extremely excited about it. I think, uh, you know, when you're uh, up and coming young podcast like we are and somebody sees you providing some value and they're like, hey, we wouldn't mind having you as part of our team. It always kind of makes you feel good. You know, Taz has a great reputation in the industry and the things he's doing with the full time fantasy network, you know, uh, some of the people coming on board, the FF face-off with Anthony Servino and the back row show with Bark Back Row and obviously the, you know, the, the big guys there and Dr. Roto and Adam Ronis. So, yeah, I'm pleased to be a part of it. And I'm really looking forward to uh, learning from some, some of the best in the business and uh, continuing to just provide some, some great roundtable fantasy football advice. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think uh, when we sat down and had the call with Jim the other day, it was uh, it's just an awesome experience and to think about what the new heights that we could go with this. It's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm super excited, the same as you, to get working with all these people. And we already know the Back Row Show fairly well. Uh, enjoy working with them. Obviously, we just did a podcast with them a couple episodes ago. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Adam Ronis for a long time. I've listened to him back when he was on Roto Experts years ago on Sirius XM before him moving on to, to different stuff and now obviously being a part of this. So it's going to be fun. I'm excited to see where this takes us. Um, you know, and, and besides that, we're just very appreciative of Jim Day, uh, you know, saying some kind words about us and, and being willing to bring us on. Because as you said, although we've only been doing this for, we've been doing it for about a year, almost a year, uh, to kind of get some recognition and then, like I said, get a chance to, to reach some new heights is, is awesome for, for both of us. And I know we're both excited, which also leads us to another awesome opportunity that you have been talking about with Mr. Bob Lung, who again we had on with the Consistency Guide, who was an awesome guest for us. You guys, uh, or you have been working with him to put us together in something else, so why don't you tell the listeners about that? Well, if you've been following Bob on Twitter, which if you are not, you should be bob.lung, at bob.lung, just like it sounds, B-O-B dot L-U-N-G, has put together the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo. It's going to be August 18th uh, in Canton, Ohio at the Canton Civic Center. It's, I believe it's just the week. It's the weekend after, the day after the Hall of Fame game. Uh, it's going to be a great event. Uh, there's going to be a lot of podcasts and industry people there. 
uh, I'm really looking forward to you. We're going to have a booth there. We're going to be doing some giveaways, uh, interacting, shaking hands and kissing babies and handing out free fantasy football knowledge. Uh, and really looking forward to networking with the people that play the game and the people that uh, put out content. It should be a fantastic time. Uh, you can find the Expo on Twitter at Midwest FF Expo, M-I-D-W-E-S-T-F-F-E-X-P-O. Uh, you know, we'd be greatly appreciated. It's only going to be $20 to attend. Uh, there may or may not be some uh, available discounts to attend the show. I, I think some of the, there'll be some, some codes coming out. To, so if you, if you haven't registered yet, maybe wait a week or so and, and uh, keep your eyes peeled following that, uh, that account there. But we're pretty stoked to be there. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to move heaven and earth to get there because um, I'm excited about it as well. As Dennis said, you know, we'll hopefully both be there, be able to meet any listeners who are able to make it up there. Even if you don't listen to us, well, I imagine you're finding out about it listening to us. But we're hoping to meet all kind of listeners, whether you listen to us or not, just helping people out. We're going to have free swag for the show. Um, as Dennis said, we'll, we'll be do, handing out free knowledge, whether you want to take it or not is up to you. Uh, but we're excited about that. There's actually going to be a... A, a podcast stage where some of the podcasts will be doing live podcast in front of everybody, which should be a lot of fun as well. It's, it's going to be a great time. So I'm hoping any of you who listen that are up in that area, or even if you're not and you're able to make it up there, it's, it's going to be an awesome event. And, and I know we both cannot wait to, to get to it and, and you know expand, as you said, and kind of interact with other people in the industry. Yeah, and I missed it, but the website for the expo is also MidwestFFExpo.com. So the difference between the Twitter site and the web, the the actual web page is just the .com, MidwestFFExpo.com. So make sure to check that out if you guys are interested in it. And as Dennis said, there will be um, possibly some... Uh, codes that will get you a little bit cheaper entrances in there and uh if we do get those we will obviously tweet those out as well as well as well as putting them in the show so you guys can do that and before we move on uh we are talking about camp battles today but before we get to that i did want to mention if you guys like our podcast you loved having seen listen to the back row show come on with us the other day again another great podcast as dennis was talking about there's a bunch of great podcasts on this network the full-time uh fantasy network that we joined Jump in there. Look at all this. They've got all of us now on the same page. You can find them on Twitter. They've got links to their their page right there. And check us out. We're using Spreaker. They'll have everybody up on iTunes as well. Jim is doing a great job of expanding everybody and, and giving all of us a you know a lot of um, so exposure. That was what I was looking for. I was trying to to come up with their exposure. Uh, but all these other podcasts are just as good as ours. You know, I don't want to say better, so we'll say as good as ours. Uh, but they're they're awesome. Go check those guys out as well. And you know, while you're leaving us a rate and review, do that for those guys as well because that's a, that's a big deal for all of us. Get off! Get out of the car! It's go time. You and me. Come on, give me your best shot. I'll give you a free one. Let me have it. That's it. Come on, you can do better than that, can't you, Captain Limpress? Try again. Hey, everybody, is there a window open? I feel a draft. Huh? Uh, if I wanted to kiss, I would have called your mother. Come on. Uh, that was a good one. Ouch, town population, you, bro. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into some camp battles today. We left off Monday as we did uh, the AFC... 
what did we do? The AFC East last uh, on Monday. So today we're going to do the AFC West, and we're going to start with the team that won the AFC West and the Kansas City Chiefs. For me, I think that this next, the first battle that we're going to talk about has kind of already been decided. The coaches have come out and said that Damian Williams is going to be the guy. However, Carlos Hyde at times last year still looked good was not a horrible back for the Cleveland Browns before he got traded to Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville was kind of a really bad situation for him to go to. He is now in Kansas City. You've got Damian Williams, Carlos Hyde, and Darwin Thompson, who they drafted this year. How do you see this backfield shaking out for the Chiefs? So, you know, I if I accept at face value the Chiefs saying that Damian Williams is the guy, then I also have to accept at face value that Devontae Parker is finally going to break out because he's having a fantastic <laughs> training spring training camp. So if, uh, you know, they either both have to be true or both have to not be true, or maybe both are just kind of possibilities. So that being said, I, I like Hyde for the value. Uh, I, I admit that I'm somewhat of an Ohio State homer. Uh, I think Hyde has, still has a lot to offer. I think the Chiefs want Damian Williams to be the guy. Uh, he is a little more versatile. He's a better pass catcher than Hyde. Hyde's a good pass catcher. Uh, Hyde's biggest issues I think are just lack of efficiency he's definitely a guy that needs a ton of volume to be productive uh, let's see he's got a career average where'd it go 4.0 exactly but then I guess if I look at Williams his career yards per carry is 4.0 also um, my concern really last year as everybody wants to, to shower all this love on Damian Williams, he only had 50 carries for the whole season. And that, that kind of, you know, that's a small sample size. Granted, that was the most carries he had had in his career. So in four years in Miami, he had a whole total of 133 carries. So is a six-year breakout possible? I mean, he could be the next Justin Forsett, sure. But I kind of feel like it, it, we're more likely to get, you know, 175 to 200 carries out of Carlos Hyde in 800 yards, 850 yards, and 125, 130 carries out of Damian Williams. Uh, and and it, if that's the case, you're certainly going to get more value from Hyde than you do uh, Williams at, at the price they're both going at. Yeah, I think for me, price-wise is the biggest thing because Carlos Hyde, I can't remember exactly what his ADP was, but I want to say it was it was behind, it was after the 11th round, if I can remember correctly, if not even further back than that, where Damian Williams right now is going as, as high as the third round in some drafts, which is a little bit ridiculous for me. I get it because you are taking a chance on him possibly being the guy, like they've come out and said. He does worry me a little bit, as you were just talking about. He's, you know, the most carries he's had, I think, was last year in Kansas City with uh, with 50. The next best was 46 in Miami, where he was really kind of the guy before. That was the year that, um, goodness gracious, who was it? Jay Ajayi, correct? Was that Jay Ajayi was there, got hurt, or got yep. traded? 
Uh, got he got traded. traded to the Eagles. And then Kenyon Drake and him were kind of split in time for a little bit. Then Williams got hurt and Drake really kind of came on strong. That was when everybody kind of fell in love with Drake. So it's really hard for me to believe in Damian Williams. And I'm right there with you. And I don't hate Carlos Hyde. I mean, I'm, maybe part of me loves him just because he's an Ohio State Buckeye. I do think Williams is going to get the shot to be the guy. And I do think he's a better running back just of what he can do out of, out of the backfield. I know Carlos Hyde can catch the ball, but I don't think he's as good a receiver out of the backfield as Damian Williams is. I think the wild card here is Darwin Thompson. Because they drafted him, he is a good receiving back. I really don't know how they're going to mix him in there. Uh, but if I had to take a guy, I think I would probably try and grab Carlos Hyde and Darwin Thompson and see if maybe those two don't mix together well, uh, then really spending that high draft capital on Damian Williams because I just don't think that he can he, – he's going to be the – the see, I don't want to say Le'Veon Bell because nobody's loving him, but the, the full bell cow here in this offense, I just don't see it happening. I, I don't think – I agree with you. I don't think he's getting his you know close to 200 carries or whatever. I think it's going to be – I do think he's going to get more than high, but I, I would imagine it's going to be closer to – you know, uh, 150, 160, something like that. Yeah, I, you, you know, I, I think Hyde's going to end up out carrying him. I think touch what if you add targets plus carries, I think they're going to be pretty even. But I think Her- uh, Williams will end up being more of the receiving guy. You know, we're we're in the midst of a startup, a twelve team super flex with some some wacky scoring. Uh, do you remember where Williams went in our draft? I don't. It was. I want to say it was like the fifth or sixth round. But then again, everybody got pushed down in that draft because of the quarterbacks and thing. I remember seeing. Um, I don't remember who I took. Yeah, really. he went at the six oh three. He was running back twenty one off the board. Yeah. So see, I mean, I wouldn't mind taking him as a running back twenty one because right there you're almost taking him as a running back two. So I, I don't think that he would be a bad running back two, especially with the, as bad as the running back market is. In my opinion, I feel like. Something I think it was Bark said on the show with us last time. Once you miss out, really, on like those top five running backs, there's a pretty, I want to say a big gap. There's a little gap between those top five and everybody else. And I would even say six through 14-ish, looking at my rankings right now, is not that big of a gap. But then after that, I, I all those guys, 14 through 24, are interchangeable in my opinion. Yeah, they're you're hoping that one of them gets over 140 touches basically. And, you know, I don't know if that's feasible. Yeah, exactly. So that one, uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll shelve that one for now and see how everything else goes. Um, I know you're leaning Hyde. I'm leaning Williams just a smidge, but not by much, but I do agree with you at somewhat, somewhat that Hyde is going to get a lot more carry than I think a lot of people think he's going to. So Hyde went at the sixteen oh seven. Darwin Thompson went at sixteen oh four. Yeah, so see, the, so that, I mean, those two. See, but I would imagine in redraft leagues, I'm thinking Hyde will probably go way before that. Maybe I, I could be wrong. We also will have more information about the time most redrafts are going, so we'll see what happens probably preseason games with those two. Uh, but yep. I mean, yeah, see that. As much as I hate to say it, I think I, I agree with you on that part of it and taking Hyde over Williams just because you can get him so late and he has maybe not quite as much upside as Williams does, but he has a shot to be a really good running back and you're getting him that late. 
the the wide receivers for the Chiefs are also extremely interesting. For for this discussion, we are just going to assume Tyree Kill is going to be out. There's really not been much other information that's come out. I know supposedly his fiance uh, admitted that she was the one who broke his arm in a text message or something like that. I, I don't want to get into whether what is or not really happening with that. That's none of my business. I don't want to be involved in it. I, I really don't want to talk about it because we're, we're a fantasy show. So we're going to skip over that and just say right now he's on the commissioner's list. So we're just going to assume at least right now he's not playing this year until we hear differently and then we'll attack it that way. So right now you're sitting with Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, Kelvin Benjamin, and then they drafted me, Cole Hardman, what are your thoughts on this uh, wide receiver group? Well, they have to re-sign Benjamin if they're going to include him in the mix. He's he's currently a free agent, I believe. Oh, okay. Uh, and I think if, if you're going to re-sign Benjamin or you have the intention of re-signing him, there's better options out there. I would take My- Michael Crabtree over Calvin Benjamin. Uh, but I... I I feel like if they are going to, uh, if they know they're not going to get Hill back, I feel like they they need to make a move. Uh, I don't, you know, Robinson is going to be going into his fourth year. I suppose he could have a breakout, but I mean, his high targets in three years is thirty nine. Sammy, uh, you know, he could he. He he's got a little bit of a history of being good, which which is almost as long as his history of being injured, and and that's what really scares people. You know, Sammy's never played. Uh, well, once he's played fourteen, sixteen games, excuse me, in his rookie year, and he had one hundred and twenty-eight targets. Um, it, if Sammy can stay healthy, you know, the the chance exists that he could. Uh, be what everybody thought he was. And if I'm going to bet on any of this existing crew, I'm going to bet on Sammy. He's probably going to be the most expensive of them. Uh, but, you know, Nicole Hardman, I, I'm not, I just don't see it. I, I think the hope that he can replace Tyreek Hill is, is pretty far off base, in my opinion. Um, I, I do I think Robinson can have a 50 or 60 catch season? Yeah, but I think Sammy can have a 90 or 100 catch season. And if Sammy goes down, I don't think Hardman or Robinson are going to um, – they're not going to be able to replace either Sammy's or Tyreek's production. They'll end up, they'll end up going and getting a veteran somewhere. Yeah. Me, um, I know we were actually having a talk with uh, one of our listeners on uh, Twitter the other day about this. I, I, I think Michael Crabtree would be a great fit here. Uh, you are right on Kelvin Benjamin. I don't know how I missed that. He is a free agent. I don't. I agree with you. I imagine they're not going to re-sign him. So, you know, I'm not a Sammy Watkins believer. Uh, I, I just don't think he's got it in him. Uh, I, I still think he's going to be the two there with the amount of money that they paid him. And he has shown flashes of being a good wide receiver. I I love Demarcus Robinson this year. I think I've I've had him in a, in multiple leagues leading up to this year, thinking that he was going to finally break out. I mean, this is his his opportunity. I don't see Miko Hardman. I know everybody expects him to be Tyree Kill, but if you really go back and look at Tyree Hill's rookie season, he wasn't even what Tyree Kill is now. His rookie year, it took him 
I think he really started to break out at the end. It was, I think, right around week 13, 14 is when he really kind of came on there in Kansas City. I don't imagine Miko Hardman's going to do that this year, but I, I imagine he'll be obviously thrown in there. They drafted him for a reason that high. They expect him to do stuff this year. I just don't expect him to be anything like Tyreek Hill ever, really, in his career. I think he'll be a good wide receiver there, but I think the comparisons to Tyreek Hill just because they both run fast is a, is a little bit ridiculous. Give me Demarcus Robinson. I think Robinson's going to have a great year outside of Travis Kelsey, who I know we all joked on the pod with the back row show has a chance to probably catch like 300 balls this year. Uh, but he, I think it's going to be Kelsey's obviously the number one, and then I could see Robinson being the number two with Sammy Watkins coming in three, and then Miko Hardman obviously being that slot guy. We'll see what we get from him, but I'm leaning uh, Robinson on this one all the way. So obviously there's no real battle at tight end. We all know Travis Kelsey is debatable 1-1 at tight end. I would, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with arms that I think Kittle could be the number one tight end in fantasy, but obviously Travis Kelsey is being drafted as that one, and, and you can't really argue that he shouldn't be there. So let's move on to the Los Angeles Chargers. Ooh, I was debating in my head if it was Los Angeles and San Diego there for a second. There's really not a lot of battles going on here at wide receiver and or quarterback or tight end. We all know it's going to be Hunter Henry there. Wide receivers, you've got Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Travis Benjamin. They've all kind of cemented their spots. The one battle really comes down to the backup slash receiving back for the running backs there behind Melvin Gordon between Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. Eckler, who's done a pretty decent job behind Melvin Gordon at times, and Justin Jackson, we saw really kind of burst on the scene, both of us, big fans of him last year coming out of college, uh, coming out of Northwestern, so your thoughts on the Eckler and Justin Jackson battle there in Los Angeles? Yeah, I think that Eckler is uh, shown, he, he's not the, the most powerful of the two, he, he's a pretty, he's a good receiver, he's shown himself to be good, uh, in that aspect, so if Gordon goes down, I do think they split carries, and Eckler is sort of the, I, I don't want to say third down back, because Gordon caught, what, 80 passes last year or something? You know, Gordon, they've made Gordon a, a volume pass catcher, but Eckler is probably the better pass catcher. He had 53 targets last year, and averaged 10 over 10 yards of reception, which is really good. He had 100, 106 carries and averaged 5.2 yards a carry. I think that Jackson is a better inside runner. So if if uh, if Gordon goes down, I, I see the carries as probably a two-to-one split in favor of Jackson. He looked really good when he carried the ball last year. And he's a good pass catcher in his own right. I just think he's a little... He, he, they're both about 200 pounds, and and I, if Gordon goes down, I don't think that the the uh, I don't think Anthony Lynn believes either Ackler or Jackson can really carry the load for 20, 25 carries a game, and so they'll split it up. You just have to figure out which one. And if I'm using, let's say, applying the consistency principles to it. Jackson getting more touches and a few catches has, I, I think, the ability to be more consistent in scoring versus Eckler getting a few carries and a few more targets because there, there just aren't as many targets usually. Uh, and so he could break a big one, but you know he might get you 
14 points one week and three points the next, whereas Jackson's going to be more consistent in that 7 to 14 kind of range or 8 to 14 range, getting yardage on the ground and, and rushing touchdowns. So between the two of them, I, I usually am going to go Jackson, and he usually is the one that uh, is available last. But, you know, most people have Melvin in their top eight running backs, so uh, it just depends on whether or not he can stay healthy. Yeah, Melvin Gordon's actually has an ADP of uh, top five, actually. He's the fifth running back coming off the board, which is a little bit surprising to me. Again, I'm, I've always kind of been a, a noted, I don't want to say Gordon hater, but I I just think he's a little overrated. His, um, his, his yeah, I mean, he didn't average over four yards of carry until his fourth year in the league, yeah. and yeah, I, I just I'm not I'm not a huge believer in Gordon either. I find a reason to not own him. Yeah, I avoid so. him in every draft that I can. I do. It's and again, it's not that he's not good. He is. I hate because people. I've I've had people come at me on Twitter before when I say stuff like that. He's a good running back. It's just if you re, and I know it's easy to say if you take away the volume, but if you really did, if he was more of a splitting, if he split the ball more with Jackson or Eckler, I guarantee you he would not put up the points he does for fantasy. It's because he gets so much volume, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the whole point. As we've said many times on this podcast, volume is king in fantasy. So as long as he's getting that volume, he's going to be a top five back. He's just one of those guys that I'd rather avoid. When it comes to Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler, I, I, I feel like I pretty much agree with you. I do think that if Melvin Gordon were to go down, Jackson's probably going to be the guy who gets the ball a little bit more than Eckler. Eckler is a phenomenal receiving back. Um, so Justin Jackson, obviously, we saw him a little bit last year at the end of the year when, when Melvin Gordon was struggling a little bit with the knee injury there. Uh, 50 rushes with the 206 yards, a 4.1 yards um, average. But Eckler has actually been a little bit better rushing the ball. Uh, he got 106 uh, last year and averaged 5.2. So I don't know if they've leaned heavily on Justin Jackson being the guy. I do think that um, they're probably going to split it up a little bit, but I, I agree with you. I think Eckler is going to be more of the receiving back, and they're going to lean more on Justin Jackson because he is a, a great runner. We saw it at Northwestern. We saw it some last year. So if you have Melvin Gordon, if, if it were me, I would try and handcuff him with Justin Jackson. I know a lot of people try and go the Austin Eckler route. I would rather have Justin Jackson. And I agree with you, if I'm trying to get any of those guys, I would take Justin Jackson overall because you can get him so late. And, and Melvin Gordon does have the injury history, so there's more than likely a high chance he's going to miss a game or possibly two this year due to injury. And that's really it. I mean, you know, the, I guess the next big question we could look at for the Chargers, and, and I'll just ask you and get your take on it, with obviously Tyrell Williams being gone, everybody's assuming Mike Williams is going to move into that wide receiver two spot. However... There are a lot of people out there who believe Mike Williams is a phenomenal wide receiver, very talented. Is this the year that he overtakes Keenan Allen as possibly the one in Los Angeles? I, I think the potential exists from a fantasy point perspective, um, just because of the touchdowns. Uh, you know, a touchdown is sixty yards receiving, basically, mm -hmm. and Williams he he's a big guy. He's a red zone threat. And he's a, he's really good down the field. So, you know, uh, Keenan Allen, whom I love, is a PPR monster. And he, he can swallow up the targets like nobody's business. Um, but if I'm going to take Keenan Allen in 
the third round, maybe early third, uh, versus Mike Williams in the eighth or ninth. You know, I'm probably leaning more like more towards Mike Williams. And uh, I, I actually missed Mike Williams in uh, in our draft, which was kind of a bummer. Uh, he went the eight ten, and Keenan went. Uh, where did he go? Keenan went four nine. Mike went eight ten. So there was about a four round difference in them. Uh, you know, I I I love Keenan, and he's a great PPR receiver. But if Williams ups his targets. He's get, he's shown that he can make plays and he can break break long touchdowns. Uh, I don't know that it, I think his volume increase in targets this year will cause his touchdowns to still be higher than than Allen's. And so I I I say it's a, at worst an even proposition that Mike Williams scores more fantasy points than Keenan Allen. Interesting. Yeah. I think it is going to come down to touchdowns with them. I just think Keenan Allen is the much better receiver after the catch than Mike Williams is, but Mike Williams is is by far the better red zone threat. I still think Keenan Allen's going to hold that for at least one more year. I, I, I feel I'm one of those people where I need to see it out of Mike Williams. I know he had some really good games last year, but I just I, – I can't believe he's going to overtake Keenan Allen. I think Keenan Allen's just the better player overall. So I'm still going to take Keenan Allen there one for the Los Angeles Chargers and have Mike Williams come in there second. If I'm wrong on that, I'll, I'll admit that at the end of the year. But I feel like with those two, I've got to see it happen before I'll believe it because I just think Keenan Allen is, is a much better receiver. The Denver Broncos, they made some moves here at quarterback in the offseason. They obviously got rid of Case Keenum, shipped him off to Washington. They bring in Joe Flacco, and they drafted Drew Locke, which I thought was a phenomenal pick for them. I really liked Locke in this class. I don't know if this is necessarily a battle, as if pretty much everything since they drafted Locke has been a talk that Joe Flacco is going to be the guy, and Drew Locke is probably going to get his start next year because they can, I believe actually even up in as early as this year, they can cut Flacco, and there's no hit to their cap whatsoever. But I do think that they're going to give Flacco the serious start or a serious chance here, be the starter, and probably ride him at least until they're out of playoff contention. Then maybe throw Locke out there and see what they've got. But uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Do you think it's going to be an actual battle, or you believe that Flacco is going to be the starter, or is it Locke? I think Flacco is going to be the starter. I think John Elway, uh, as much as he loves Drew Locke and sees a lot of himself in Drew Locke. He wants to win games, and I feel like the best opportunity for them to win games is not breaking in a, a quarterback with uh, completion percentage issues. And, uh, you know, Flacco, it, he's still, you know, he's certainly not Eli Manning bad, if that's for sure. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, he's still got some game. They've got with their with their surrounding supporting cast. You know, the Broncos have a chance to to be competitive. So I could see Locke getting some mop up time, but I agree he's not. He I won't say he won't. He shouldn't be in the game starting games unless Flacco is either a injured or b there's no chance that the Broncos are going to make the playoffs. 
as soon as they're out of the playoffs, I think Locke should start the next game and it shouldn't even be an issue. Yeah, and like I said, I, I really don't feel like it was a battle, but I just kind of wanted to give our perspective on it, because and I agree with you 100%. Now, there is a chance that Flacco gets hurt. We've seen it, obviously, the past couple years. He, he struggled with the back issue, so we could see Locke out there sooner than we expect, but I, I really do kind of hope they give him the shot to kind of sit and learn the offense. Not that he's not ready. I actually think he's probably one of the more pro-ready quarterbacks that came out this year. I think that the the offense he ran in college was was very good, and I love the weapons they have around him in Denver, uh, especially in Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. Obviously, bringing in Noah Fant as well. Or, uh, we're just going to skip it because I'm pretty sure I said it right. I, I hate his last name; it drives me crazy. Noah Fant at tight end, uh, who we both think is going to be a stud there in Denver. So I, I, I can't wait to see Locke take the helm and run with this offense. But I, I do think that it's going to be later than at least. Uh, Broncos fans probably hope because we do know a know a Broncos fan in Matthew Fox and I know he is not thrilled to have Joe Flacco there so I, I can't imagine I imagine he wants to see Locke sooner than most do as well at running back this is uh this is it this is going to be probably the biggest argument we have on the show today because uh, I already know the side you're going to take but Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay, this this is the battle. There's really nobody else there in that backfield that needs to be worried about. Who I don't even who are you taking? Is it going to be Royce Freeman, or you think Philip Lindsay is going to take control of this backfield this year? Did Did you know that I traded for Philip Lindsay this offseason? Are you going to trade him to me? Is it a league that I'm in with you? I'll give you a first. For no, oh, man. no, it's in, it's in the private dicks league. You're oh, not okay. in there. No, I did not know no, that. I, I'm, I'm happy for I, you. I, 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 I was. Uh, I'm just not at a point where I'm going to be competitive this year. That's a deep league. It's super flex, two tight end with premium, a uh, bunch of starters, nine IDPs. It's it's a really deep league, and uh, I just uh, I had Zeke, and I felt in, in trying to make a run last year, I traded away draft my draft picks. And uh, I ended up trading uh, Zeke for uh, Amari Cooper, Philip Lindsay, and a second-round pick, I think. Uh, and so Philip Lindsay is now my my uh, RB one on that team. Uh, I do have Kareem Hunt out, but yeah, I like Lindsay fine. I just I I don't know that he's gonna be able to hold up. He, he had 192 carries last year, but Freeman had 130, which is to me, when you watch, if, when you watched and heard about their games, I'm almost surprised Freeman didn't have 30 carries, let alone 130. And Freeman wasn't terrible, but it was a situation. It almost seemed like when Freeman was in the game, they ran the Mike McCoy offense. We're going to take this big guy and we're going to run him straight up the middle. And that's the only thing we're going to do with him. And then they put Lindsay in the game. And now we're going to run this wide open offense. Now, Lindsay has shown that he's a dynamic runner. Um, and more power to him. That's why I was like, well, I guess if I'm going to make a move in this league, Lindsay, I'd like to get back a, uh, a startable running back. And I felt like Amari Cooper and, Philip Lindsay was a pretty good return uh, in that same league today. The uh, guy who I traded Zeke to, uh, Mr. Dynasty Theorist, traded him for, he traded 
uh, Zeke, Lamar Miller, and Juju for six 2021st, two 2020 seconds, and a 2021 second. So, he's, he's loading up for that draft next year, which I'm having fun yeah, looking I, at right now. So Made me feel terrible about the deal I made. I'm like, man, I freaking <laughs> get, just gave Elliot away. Yeah, sounds you know? like it with that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I got Amari Cooper and Philip Lindsay, so I guess it could be worse. But that being said, I think it's going to be uh, more of an even split this year. Uh, you know, Fangio, yeah, they brought in what's Gagarelli, Scangarelli yeah. from uh, 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 San Francisco to run Rich Rich Gangarelli. I forget his name even. Yeah, it's Gangarelli. Oh, Scangarello. So he's going to be running the offense. I think that Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton are the starters there. I know uh, every, we want to have romance this return from the Achilles for Emmanuel Sanders, but I think at best he's going to be just a third receiver. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if Tim Patrick surpasses him. Uh, but running back, I think it's a coin flip. Uh, it's going to come down to, if I'm drafting him now, I'm probably going to go with Freeman just because of the price. And I think it's going to be a fairly even distribution of touches. And so I'm going to take the cheaper one. Yeah, see, that that's the one argument I think Royce Freeman has, if you're in any kind of startup right now, is that he is much cheaper than Philip Lindsay. In most drafts that I've seen, he's being drafted as like a top 13 running back, which I love it. I mean, I've, I've been all aboard the Lindsay train for over a, uh, pretty much a year now at this point. I've loved Philip Lindsay. Uh, I'm going to reference a tweet that one of uh, one of our friends in one of the leagues that we're in, Chris Miles, uh put up in one of our chats and that Philip Lindsay averaged more yards before contact than any other RB in the NFL in 2018. Um, he averaged, oh, I lost it. I don't know where it went. It was, um, it was like four yards of carry or yeah, something three yards. before it was three contact. yards before contact where Royce Freeman was getting 0.8 yards before contact. So that was, that's the difference between those two. Now, I do not think Royce Freeman is as bad as that stat comes off. I agree with you that I feel like some of the times, if you go back and look at Royce Freeman's film, it's really literally just run it up the gut. And I don't know if that's maybe just because he is a big back. They just assume he's going to run people over. Where Philip Lindsay was getting a lot of outside zone runs. In fact, in that tweet that I was just reading that about, you look at the things. One of the videos they show right there is Philip Lindsay getting an outside run where he's just faster than Royce Freeman. He just is. He, he's more explosive and dynamic. Then Royce Freeman is. I do agree with you that I think Philip Lindsay is going to regress back to the means a little bit. I don't expect him to be as great as he was last year, but I'm also not going to count out that he's going to be close to that. I I I, I do worry a little bit about injuries because he is a slight back. He is not big, but I just I love the way he runs. If you really watch like his footwork and the way he's running. The, what he does, his subtle moves in the backfield, it, it's amazing to watch. If he was just a little bit bigger, I think he would. everybody would be talking about him as a top 12 back. I think really the only thing you can hold against him is his size, and that's what everybody talks about. Oh, he can't hold up. He's going to get injured. Now, we did see him get injured last year, but that was one year. Let's see what happens with it. I, I still think Philip Lindsay is going to be the main guy here in the backfield, but I do think Royce Freeman is going to get more run than he did last year. I don't think he's going to be this kind of – 
almost forgotten player in that offense, if that's the best way to put it. Um, and jumping on to the wide receivers, as you talked about real quick, I agree with you. It's going to be Sutton and Hamilton all day long. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Hamilton starts off having the better year than Sutton, uh, just because I feel like he's not – Sutton, I don't want to say he's more of a deep threat – but he, he definitely got more speed than Hamilton if they use him that way. I think Hamilton's going to get more work there with Flacco than Sutton will. Uh, but I love both of those guys. I think Denver's building a nice wide receiver core there. Um, and I do think Tim Patrick is going to outbeat a- Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think he's going to come back. I know we talked about uh, before earlier in the year that he's already running and everything, which is, I mean, great for him. But I, I just I believe in Tim Patrick. He showed me enough last year that I think he can be a decent wide receiver three on that team. And then obviously Noah Fant, I think, is going to be just just ridiculous there at tight end. The Oakland Raiders, or should we call them the Las Vegas Raiders now? How how are we supposed to handle this Raiders change yet? Are they still Oakland since technically they're playing somewhere right now? Not technically. Yeah, they're playing in in Oakland this year. They're still the Oakland Raiders. So then we're next year when we're doing the podcast, they'll be the Las Vegas Raiders. So that's right. The running back, back for running back backfield, yeah, that's exactly what it is, Matt. The backfield there for the running backs in Oakland is interesting. So obviously, everybody just assumes that Josh Jacob is going to be the bell cow. I know two people on this podcast. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm talking about us. Don't necessarily agree with that. But you also have Jalen Richard. Uh, Goodness, why did I forget his name? Doug Martin, Mr. Douglas Martin, and then Chris Warren the third back there as well. I know that since me and you are not big Josh Jacobs fans, what is it that you expect or how is it that you expect this uh, these running backs to kind of work out here for Oakland? I feel like John Gruden is going to try to give Richard about 65 to 70% of the touches to start the season. Uh, and then Jacobs is going to not really – or did I say Rashard? If I you did, I meant Richard. Jacobs. Yeah, I was about to ask yeah. you. Okay. No, Jacobs. He's going to he's gonna be aiming to get Jacobs 60 to 70% of the touches. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know that he's going to necessarily perform. R- Rashard is an excellent receiver, and you know he had 81 targets last year and caught 68 passes. So – He's going to start out uh, being the guy that spells him on third down. Chris Warren looked really good last year in uh, training camp and then got dinged up, and I think they just stashed him on IR. I, I feel like he could have came back and played. You know, they brought in veteran Doug Martin, and they've got uh, DeAndre Washington, who had a uh, over 1,400-yard season playing for Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. So, you know, they've got Josh Jacobs and some other guys. To me, it's it's really a backfield that I'm avoiding. You know, I'm a David Montgomery guy, so if I'm drafting in rookie drafts, I'm either taking Montgomery or I'm back further in the draft where somebody else is taking Jacobs. So... It's hard because anybody I take from this backfield, I'm taking them just for depth. And so uh, I'm probably not going to take Martin. I'm probably not going to take Washington. But in the in the late rounds, I could I could be convinced to take Jalen Richard or Chris Warren. Yeah, so this one's been tough for me looking at it because we all know the way I mean, that... Because are, are we just being stubborn? You know, is that it? Are we just being stubborn about Josh Jacobs? No, I, 
I don't think that I know we've both been kind of on the same train here, and I feel like I kind of understand where you're coming from with that question because everybody else is so bought into him. And I feel bad because I, I would imagine you agree with this statement. So we're not saying Josh Jacobs is bad. We don't think that he's some, like, scrub that's not going to do anything. Just both of us don't think that he is this he's, – he's being glorified as, like, this running back one that came out of Alabama. And I just don't see it. Because I do agree with you, regardless of what anybody wants to say, he could not beat out Damian Harris. And I like Damian Harris, but Damian Harris is not that great either. So I don't, I just don't think Josh Jacobs is this all-world running back. And I actually think Aaron Arms agrees with us when we talked about it. His defense on the episode with the back row show was that he just thinks he's going to get all of the work, which is going to make him a top-end running back, which is where I do kind of agree. I do expect with the way that John Gruden runs his offense that Josh Jacobs is going to get a bulk of the work as you were just talking about. Now, whether or not he does something with it or not, I don't know. And if if he doesn't, I don't know if Gruden will put anybody else in there. They spent a first-round pick on him. As much as I hate the draft capital argument, they're likely going to leave him in there and, and tr- unless he fumbles the ball. We all know Gruden will not stand for that. So as long as he's holding on to the ball, even if he's not producing, I imagine they're just going to keep giving him the ball I'm just with you. I'm steering clear of this backfield. I don't want Josh Jacobs because I just don't think he's ever going to be a top 12 back. That's just my opinion. I I could be wrong, and we'll know. I, I can't really say one year, but in the next couple years, if he continues to prove that and if he shows he's a top 12 back, I'll eat my crow. I'll apologize to him on Twitter for saying that I didn't think he was that good, but I just I think he's a middle-tier, low-end running back, too. That's just my opinion of him. I he, He's got you know, good skills. Obviously, he's a good receiver. He can run the ball. I just don't think he's overly talented. That's that's just my take on Jacobs. Again, I don't think either one of us says that Josh Jacobs sucks. We just don't think he's as good or as glory. He's as good as he's being glorified to be. If that makes sense. That's exactly what it is. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. He'll have he'll go out and he'll have his rookie year, and then we'll move on. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I don't. I don't wish I wish nothing but success for the kid. I hope he does awesome. You know, obviously, you know, he, he's an NFL player. He's ten times more ten times. I should probably say like a thousand times more athletic than I am. But I, I just I wish nothing for the best nothing but the best for him. I just don't think he's that good. I like I said, I've been saying since the beginning, I thought Miles Sanders and David Montgomery were better than him. So I think that's probably where some of my contention comes from is just because you see all these people on Twitter talking about how Josh Jacobs is by far the best running back in this class. And I just disagree with that fact. And then everybody just assumes when we disagree with that, that means we hate Josh Jacobs. We don't hate him. We just don't think he's as good as some other people think he is. So let's forget about that. Like I agree with you. My last part on that is I, I would steer clear of all these guys. Maybe as a deep, stash Jalen Richard because I do like what he's done the past couple years in the receiving game so you know if you're in a deep league and you need some guy who's going to get you you know probably anywhere from five to 12 points a week receiving game wise Jalen Richard might be a good pickup for you because he is going late so he's one guy I might look at trying to take late in all my leagues at wide receiver here so we all know that obviously uh, Antonio Brown is the one Tyrell Williams is going to be the two which I do kind of want to get your thoughts on him as well, but I want to talk about the the third spot here really quick before we get into the Tyrell Williams talk. Who do you think is going to get this spot? I'm assuming both those guys will probably be on the outside, though. I do think Brown will 
get some work in the slot. You've got Marcel Aitman, Ryan Grant, Brandon LaFell, J.J. Nelson, Hunter Renfro. Kind of your thoughts on those four guys, who you think might end up taking over the slot role whenever Antonio Brown is not moved in there. I think they want to give it to Renfro because he's their draft pick. You know, they they took over the team. They drafted him, so they want him to take it. Um, You know, J.J. Nelson isn't a slot guy. He's an outside guy. Marcel Aitman is, you know, he's a big guy, but he's not fast. So he's sort of a red zone. He could be a big slot. You know, if he can find figure out a way to, to find spots in the zone. He was one of the darlings that I liked last year, somebody I really uh, had grabbed a few shares of, uh, stashed on my taxi squad. I, I like Aitman's game, but again, I'm, I'm team big wide receiver, and with Antonio Brown's versatility, I could definitely see them when they line up in three wides, putting Brown in the slot and Aitman on the outside and Williams on the outside. But I can also see that you, you can't pigeonhole. You don't want to just put Antonio Brown in the slot. So I could see them also going with Brown and Williams outside and putting Hunter Renfro in the slot. Um, I don't think any any of those other guys are really going to be plays that you want to make. I, I, I'm not even sure Aitman is. I think if you're gonna if you're aiming for a third wide receiver on the Raiders, you're you're going for Renfro. You're talking, you know a wide receiver six kind of guy, maybe wide receiver five. So there isn't a whole lot of discussion to be had there in my opinion. So yeah, I, I, for the most part, I pretty much agree with you. I think it is going to go to Renfro. They did draft him. I think he's probably the best option there at slot as well, or at slot. Um, I agree with you on eight men, big wide receiver, but not fast. I imagine he'll be relegated mostly to kind of like a red zone target with, with Tyrell Williams down there. So give me Renfro, and I agree. I, I don't think he's going to be much more than a wide receiver five. On Tyrell Williams, we never really saw him break out in Los Angeles. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say Keenan Allen isn't it. He is an Antonio Brown, so I shouldn't say I shouldn't say that. Uh, but Antonio Brown being on the other side of him, do you really think that's going to up Tyrell Williams' value as much as a lot of other people do? Many people are drafting him. As a wide receiver, two right now, high-end wide receiver, three. How much do you think this is going to boost his fantasy value being with Oakland and opposite of Antonio Brown? Well, when the season when uh, Keenan Allen missed all but one game, Tyrell Williams had 119 targets, caught 69 passes, averaged 15.3 yards a catch with seven touchdowns. So... He's a good wide receiver. He followed that up with two 40-plus catch seasons, and Allen was healthy. You know, Allen caught 102 and 97 in those two years. So, and, and last year, he also had Mike Williams to contend with. So I kind of see why Tyrell Williams decided to strike out on his own. If As the number, you know, the number two receiver playing across from Antonio Brown, we've seen it be a very productive position. So if Oakland is smart enough to look at what the Steelers did and how they used Antonio Brown and said, we, we're we going to try to use him in a very similar way so it opens up more people on our offense, yes, we'll give Antonio his 130, 140 targets, but we're also going to make sure that when Tyrell Williams is open, that we're not afraid to throw the ball to Tyrell Williams. 
So I, I could see Tyrell Williams getting a, a hundred targets. Um, what did he have? Well, he had 70, 69 and 65 the last two seasons, uh, playing across from Keenan. Um, so if he gets, if he can get 90 targets uh, as the clear number two, you know, that's, that's a pretty good place to be. Yeah, uh, the only thing that worries me is is Derek Carr in that offense. I don't think it's going to be quite as high-flying as it was in Los Angeles. I don't think they're going to put up as many points. Um, but I also don't think Antonio Brown is going to get quite um, the amount of looks and production that he got in Pittsburgh, so that might open up a little bit more there for Tyrell Williams. I was just curious on your thoughts about him because I know a lot of people are really loving on him now with him being there opposite Antonio Brown. I'm not quite sold on him, but if I could get him as my wide receiver three in leagues, I'd be fine with that. I just think the the wide receiver two is a little bit of an overpay for me. The last battle we have here in the AFC West is at the tight end position here in Oakland between Foster Moreau and Darren Waller. Waller is getting all kinds of camp hype, which we mentioned earlier in the show really could mean nothing, but could mean something. Uh, but he is getting all the love here. You were someone who was high on Foster Moreau all the way back in our tight end episode here months ago. Your thoughts on how this tight end battle might end up here for Oakland? Well, the challenge that Foster Moreau is going to have is that he's going to need to be a, a really good blocker. I don't think he's going to beat out uh, Darren Waller uh, as a receiver right out of the gate. Um Waller is is really athletic. He's 6'4", 245, I think. Former wide receiver. So he, he's he's got an opportunity to break out. And it's going to come down to, can Moreau get on the field? Because Waller isn't known for his blocking. He might be willing, but he isn't necessarily good at it. Which, which means that... Uh, Derek Carrier and Luke Wilson are going to be out there on the end of the line knocking heads with the linebackers and defensive ends. Well, then that doesn't, that means you can't put, if you're going to put three tight ends out there, are you really going to run two of them out into patterns? So Moreau is going to have to move up the depth chart, but him and uh, Waller are going to be similar in. The, their desire to be targeted, I don't. I, I so I, I don't see them playing on the field together. They're going to play a similar role. Moreau may end up at some point, maybe later in the year, maybe next year, taken over because he is a better blocker than Waller. Uh, so if you can be on the field in one tight end sets because you can block and you can receive, I, I think eventually Moreau is going to take that position over. Uh, and Waller then becomes the the second tight end, the move tight end, uh, and Moreau is the one who's on there, out out there playing the most snaps. It could end up being the two of them could end up kind of in a Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron situation. Yeah, um, I'm right there with you. I think Waller starts off the year. Moreau, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets on the field at some point, Tom, later in this year. But I feel like next year is going to be his real kind of chance to step up and take over as one of the one of, I shouldn't say premier tight end, but takeover at least as a starting tight end in Oakland, then we'll see what happens. We saw what Jared Cook was able to do last year in this John Gruden offense. I'd imagine if Foster Moreau can, can do somewhat, um, or at least produce half of what Jared Cook did offensively, he's going to be a very good tight end, and we, we do expect that to happen for him. 
So that right there is going to do it for our camp battles here in the AFC West. We will continue these on Monday with the putting together a little bit of a game here so we might just do two teams and we're going to start with the nfc north on monday might just do the two top teams because there's a little a uh, little bit of a game i'm putting together now that we might do monday might wait till thursday i don't know what we're, we're gonna play things loose here we'll play you know shoot from the hip in 2019 10 random people came together to Knights of the Fantasy Football Roundtable. They challenged the host of this program in deep fantasy battle. In hopes of dethroning one of these hosts and proving that they themselves are the best in all the fight will rage on through the entire 2019 season. Will one of these 10 owners be able to dethrone the host? Or will the host end up ruling the day once again? But uh, listener league time. So just want to talk about this a little bit. We're still running the same thing we did uh, Monday's episode. Drop a GIF. You can either tag me, you can tag Dennis, you can drop it in the comments for the show. Um, whenever it gets put up on Twitter, however you want to do it, but drop a gift of your favorite IDP player. And the winner of this one not only gets into the Fantasy League, but they also get a free subscription to the IDP Tipsters. So that great, great right there, the free year subscription already to a great site. And then obviously you get into our Listener League. Right now, it is just Mr. Weird. Oh, here's my list. All right, so... The listeners we've got in here right now, obviously Jonathan Weber, who we again appreciate being one of the most dedicated listeners and a guy who's been following us for a very long time. Uh, Ricky Wilson for doing uh, awesome, leaving an awesome review, which we really appreciate as well. He was picked at random, but it was a really good review too, so I know it may not sound like it was random, but it was. Uh, and then Ty Moss for buying the uh, the Bobble on Consistency Guide, which we really appreciated. Uh, we had Trent in there. Uh, he unfortunately deleted his Twitter account. So Trent, if you want to hit me up uh, at, I shouldn't say at because you don't have Twitter anymore, fantasyfootballroundtable at yahoo.com. If you want to send me an email with a way for me to get a hold of you, you are more than welcome to still stay in the league. But since I cannot find you on Twitter anymore, we are going to award uh, the the pet one, which we did last uh, the last time we did this, so about a week and a half ago was when it closed, to Mr. Ben Boham at Ben Boham 2. Uh, congratulations, buddy. You and Georgie have won your chance in now to the Listener League. We will get you added here uh, in a day or so, give you a chance to listen to the episode first and find out that you got in, and then we will add you in there. But we appreciate you sending us the picture of uh, your cat there, Georgie, hanging out. You are now in the Listener League, so congratulations. And again... Before we cut out of here, uh, remember, guys, drop a gif of your favorite IDP player to me or Dennis or in the show, however you want to do it. Just get a hold of me or Dennis and and drop a – you can even DM it to us if you you don't feel like you want to put it on Twitter for whatever reason, on a timeline or whatever. But just drop a gif of your favorite IDP player to get a chance to get in. We've only gotten about four right now, so if you want to get a chance in again – Free NFL jersey uh, for whoever, if if you win, if you're able to beat me or Dennis. Uh, and you also will get a Knights of the Roundtable shirt, which is very, very close to being done. And I cannot wait to show you guys what this thing looks like because I'm excited about it. But before we come out of here, Dennis, 
Where can we find you on Twitter? And what do you have in the pipes at the Nerd Herd? Well, you can find me at culture underscore coach. Uh, always here on the Fantasy Football Roundtable, co-hosting uh, uh, alongside you. Uh, and on the uh, Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. We're happy to be there. Uh, over at Twitter, you know, I'm doing my... Or Twitter. At Dynasty Nerds, I'm doing my uh, standard rankings. I uh, just put out an update over there on, on the rankings, and uh, that's pretty stoked. We got some new tools coming down. I can't wait for those to be announced. Uh, the buy-sell tool is pretty cool. So if you're in the nerd herd, you get to see the consensus of what... Uh, all the writers think whether you should buy, sell, hold, trade for value, uh, uh, all the fantasy football players uh, in your leagues. Um, I, we are working on a, a series of 32 teams in 32 days, and that'll start rolling out here t- later towards the end of June, a, a fantasy review of all the teams in the NFL. And then I personally am working on a, some deep stashes, going by division, uh, doing the AFC West right now, and that should be coming out shortly. Uh, somebody from each team, uh, kind of stash on your taxi squad or at the end of your bench. So, and that's what I got going on. Yeah, those I imagine are going to be awesome uh, for me. I've got obviously I'm still working on the J.K. Dobbins article. I have yet to be able to really dive into that because I've been working on. If anybody follows me on Twitter, you've seen my Debbie thread of my top five uh, wide receivers in Debbie next year. That is what I'm focusing on with the with the Nerd Herd. I'm excited. We've got some stuff coming up for Debbie players. Should be awesome. I cannot wait to announce that stuff as well. Uh, but since we cannot announce it yet, I can't say anything about it. So I'm really excited, though, to see where that goes here in the future. And again, I'll be focusing mostly uh, on that for the Nerd Herd. So jump on if you want any qu- any questions about Devy or anything like that. You guys can always hit me up or anything. I'll, I'll still answer. But Devy is what I'm trying to focus on here lately. So guys, thank you so much for listening today. We will have this up and at them. Hope you guys enjoy your weekends, and we will be back on Monday for the new winner of the Listener League, a new way to get into the Listener League, and um, some more camp battles and possibly a new game. Rate and review, guys. We really appreciate it if you do it. Uh, You still have a chance to also get in the Listener League if you do that. Hope you guys have a great weekend. And, Dennis, I will talk to you again on Monday. Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play?